Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. For nearly seven decades, Champaign-Urbana's daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here's your host, Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. Another sunny day here in East Central Illinois. Great to have you with us. As always, a high of 76 today it's going to get a little chillier here as we head for the weekend but man we've had a great stretch of weather here just looking out at the trees that are starting to uh, turn and it's uh, feeling more and more like fall every day here as we work our way through the month of october we're on a penny for your thoughts here today we'll have a a quick segment of open line we'll do that until uh, towards the bottom of the hour here in this first hour and then a great tradition of a Catholic health care over in Urbana. When you think back, I know a lot of you uh, may be old enough to remember Mercy Hospital. Of course, eventually uh, merged with Burnham, uh, Provena, and now OSF. But there's been 100 years now, and they're celebrating that uh, this week. We'll talk about that a little bit a little later on in the hour. And then we'll be joined by Circuit Judge Jason Baum. And uh, he was... Um, Appointed to that seat a few years ago, and then I think he won an election at one point, and now he's been in uh, Champaign County for a few years as a uh, judge. So uh, Judge Jason Bauman will get his thoughts, a talk about his career a little bit. Uh, he's had a very interesting career. Uh, his son is the quarterback of the Muhammad football team, by the way, which is uh, doing really well. Gotten to know Jason over the years, seen him at a few games from time to time. But uh, we'll talk to him, among other things, uh, about the um, – some of the changes coming up, the Safety Act and so forth, uh, when it comes to uh, bail, cash bail, and uh, get his thoughts on it, what he thinks might happen just from his perspective. So if you have any questions for him, we he's certainly um, be glad to uh, answer those here as we go along here today. So that'll be in the uh, second hour. Tomorrow we got a, a packed show for you. And a lot of folks uh, want to dig into the uh, the Safety Act and a lot of the things that were passed there in the in the dead of night a couple of years ago, and there's been some changes that have tried to have been made, but uh, the big one that was postponed a little bit but takes effect here in January of 2023 is the uh, no-cash bail. It's been a very hot issue. We've talked about it quite a bit on this show, but uh, State Senator Scott Bennett will uh, join us in the first hour, and then we'll have State's Attorney Julia Reitz join us in the second hour. So we'll really dig into it tomorrow, a one-two punch there, if you will. Fridays are Illini Friday. Uh, We'll have Kent uh, Brown, Cassie Arner with us, and uh, hopefully Barry. We'll see if he can make it or not, Uh, Barry Hauser. But uh, we'll also be joined by Martin O'Donnell. 
my uh, color partner, will talk about the Illini game and the team as they get ready to take on Iowa coming up Saturday night at 6.30. A lot of buzz. They had a donor, anonymous donor, that bought 1,000 tickets yesterday for students. They handed them out in a couple of different spots on campus, one at the Butkus statue, I think, and another at the Illini Union on the quad, and they gave them away in about 10 minutes. So there's some fervor out there. Some people are pretty excited about the 4-1 uh, and one Illini. Now they've just got to carry that momentum forward. Don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but uh, certainly they've got some games now you feel pretty confident about the way they've played if they can continue to play like that. Could be a very, very fun October and November. But uh, one game at a time, as they say. We'll visit with the coach tonight out at the Atkins uh, Golf Course at the University of Illinois. They've got the uh, new restaurant out there, of course, homegrown, but uh, there'll be there's a meeting room up there, and uh, we'll be up there. The quarterback club will have their meeting tonight. Normally they meet on Thursday, and, of course, in years past it's been Friday, but they're doing a quarterback club dinner tonight, so the coach will be a part of that, and then he'll join us on the radio show from 7 to 8. Also at the radio show tonight, Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton, who are two of the top three tacklers on the team, and two of the better defensive linemen in the Big Ten. So we'll talk to those two young men. And we had them on last year, and they're they're really terrific together. So um, they're a lot of fun. So we'll do that uh, tonight. Of course, you got the uh, High School Prep Confidential show that uh, Colin and Joey do, which is will precede us here on this station at 6 and on our sister station, Light Rock 97.5. So those are some of the things that are ahead here on the radio. Uh, Joe Biden, the president, heading to Fort Myers, Florida, surveying the damage down there from Hurricane Ian. The CDC says to get your flu shot. Said it was uh, the flu was bad in the southern hemisphere, and that's how they gauge it a lot, is how it was in their winter season, now that we're heading into fall and winter. Uh, last day of the regular season today for Major League Baseball. The Cardinals will be hosting the Phillies this weekend at Bush Stadium. Aaron Judge hits number 62. Passes Roger Maris, did it in Arlington. The ball, they say, as you heard from CBS, could be worth about $2 million. A 17-year-old put on probation for his role in the murder of a Lyft driver back in January. He threw the gun on the roof is what he did and was charged with obstruction of justice. Will testify against one of the defendants in that case. Shooting last night in Champaign and the 1100 block of North 3rd Street resulting in the death of a 25-year-old from Danville. So that uh, went down about 5.30 or 6 last night. And keeping an eye on OPEC, and I know gas prices are back up again pretty quick. They went back up, and uh, they're saying now at the meeting in Vienna, I guess, the OPEC uh, gathering, they may cut production by 2 million barrels a day. We'll see. See what that does for the price. So uh, hang in there if you can. All right, 912, we'll get it started here. We'll visit a few minutes up till the uh, bottom of the hour, a little past it. We'll talk about 100 years of Catholic health care here in Urbana as they celebrate a milestone. And then uh, we'll have Judge Jason Baum with us in the second hour. So a lot to get to. We'll do it after this. This is Brian Barnhart. We'll be out at Atkins Golf Course at the University of Illinois tonight in Urbana with the Brett Bielema Show. We'll have the coach and the law firm of Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph tonight, 7 to 8. Just keep breathing and breathing and breathing and breathing. You know I gotta keep, keep on breathing. Just keep breathing and breathing and breathing and breathing. 
916 on a penny for your thoughts. Nice and sunny. Headed for a high of 76 today. Are there anything better than uh, like October, late September, early October sunrises and sunsets? Man, they're spectacular. Let's hope you get a chance to uh, take a look at those at the beginning and end of each day. This uh, month of October, by the way, is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And the Internet's a great. There's a lot of good stuff out there, okay? We use it for information and learning about things. and uh, But there are some folks out there that, uh, frankly, are not doing good stuff, and that's uh, identity stealing. 17.6 million Americans victims of identity theft each year. Two-thirds of identity theft victims reported a direct financial loss as a result. There's hacking. There's data breaches. Social engineering, phishing, pretending to be someone else, your bank, requesting your personal information. Never give that out unless you're dead sure that that's who it is. Um, always be skeptical when it comes to that. How do you protect your finances? Password protect your devices. Never log into financial accounts or shop online using public Wi-Fi. I'm always very careful to do that with a, all the traveling I do. You know, they'll, I'll find, jump on a internet at a hotel and it says unsecured i'm like i'm not hopping in my i'm not looking at my bank account i'm not doing anything like that so just be careful be thinking about that antivirus software review your credit report annually and bank accounts on a regular basis make sure you're actually getting charged for what you're spending constant changes in technology the best way to protect yourself to be proactive go to money matters at bucy.com to stay informed 918 at DWS. Jason Baum joins us after the uh, top of the hour. Circuit judge here in the 6th Judicial Circuit. And we'll talk about health care in Urbana here. 100 years of Catholic health care and um, pretty remarkable tradition. Let's go to Alan here first. Good morning, Alan. Morning, Brian. Let's play uh, football today. Yeah, I know. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think they bumped the degrees up a few uh, Saturday night, but we'll see. Uh, the other day you mentioned you got a tax rebate off that, uh, uh, real estate, right? I did. Yeah. Tax and real estate rebate, I guess. Uh, did they pay you by check or by direct deposit? It was by check. <clears throat> okay. That's what I've been hearing. Uh, now I got a friend of mine who got his and he says everybody's getting approximately the same uh, number. Is that right? Yeah. I, somebody called in and said they was close to 300. That's about what mine was. Something like that, okay. three fifty something. His is two hundred. Yeah. So, uh, what's his based off of? Is it last year or is it the last five years or what? I don't know. I guess if you filed a return last year, I think is what it's based on. So it's based uh, off of last year. Yeah, I don't know what last year. Whether it's, I mean, I guess your just most recent tax return. I would assume. I don't remember ever in my life getting a rebate from taxes, but I guess yeah. I'll take it. Well, sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they uh, they tell us uh, from what they they say in Springfield is we have a surplus and that uh, you know they could do it, and so they did. Now the fact that it's coincidentally a midterm election year probably you yeah. know is is a nice coincidence, but uh, <laughs> you don't think that'll happen next year, do you? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know. It's, uh, it's nice. I mean, it helped. It helps, but if you got a surplus, don't you think you want to keep it for a rainy day? Because sooner or later, it'll, go, it'll come back around. Yeah. 
You know, I don't know what the I know they have a rainy day fund. I assume they've still got that, but um I don't know. It gets it gets murky when you start talking state finances cuz one one side will tell you, "Oh no, it's definitely balanced," and the other side will tell you, "No, it's not." You know, it's not really balanced. So I'm not enough of a financial expert to understand all that, but especially our state. Yeah, well, our state, yeah. <laughs> we we've been messed up a long time, so Don't give me don't give me started. Yeah. Okay, uh, I was just curious about that. Uh, I, somebody said they got a little postcard in the mail said it's coming in the, hmm. uh, to them, and I I haven't received anything one way or the other yet. But yeah, I, um, some people's gifts. I I didn't know it was. I didn't. I don't remember getting unless it got lost in the mail. Um, I mean, it's, maybe I misplaced it. I don't know. But I don't remember getting any note card or anything that told me it was coming. It just showed up. So. Yeah, I hadn't heard anything either. She was the only one that told me that there was a little postcard that said there's a <clears throat> rebate coming in the hmm. in the mail. Okay, well, it was nice. It's it's not a lot, but it it was nice. So <clears throat> well, I got a, I got a property tax. I got to pay uh, end of this month. So guess where that's going to go to? <laughs> yeah, it's going to go right back in property tax. Oh sure, sure. Yeah, and I pay quarterly taxes too on the sports stuff I do. So. Right. Some of my money goes back into that. Well, I wish I had your money. <laughs> I don't have a lot to spread around. So Okay. <laughs> All right, thanks. See ya. Appreciate Bye. it, Alan. Yeah, I always tell young broadcasters, I always – because a lot of them want to get into sports. Now, if you get to the um, ESPN or Al Michaels or, you know, Joe Buck or that level, well, that's a whole different level. I mean, you're making some serious money, but – I always tell young broadcasters when you start out, if you think you're going to make a lot of money, you're not going to make a lot of money. Um, I sure didn't either. So uh, I I had no visions of grandeur that I was going to make a lot of money when I started. I did it the hard way. I worked my way up working for peanuts basically, and you know made a made a career out of it. But it's uh, it's not um, like I think Brad Underwood told me he was. Of course, he was a radio TV major at K State. And he said, I think he told me once he went up to get to a, get a radio job somewhere. I forget in Kansas or wherever it was, Nebraska or Kansas. And he found out how much money it was, and he was like, I don't think so. <laughs> and he wound up getting into coaching, which he didn't make a lot of money early, but he certainly, uh, you know, has worked his way up the ladder and uh, has earned every penny he's making now for sure. All right, nine twenty-three at DWS. Uh, apparently, uh, listener says some of your advertisers don't know that running the same ad over and over is counterproductive and actually sends listeners in a different direction. Well, uh, you know, that's kind of up to the advertiser and I I think that's good advice though. I try to tell, um, advertisers, it's a good idea just to freshen up your copy a little bit. And that certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, just because at some point your message, um, people can almost recite it verbatim, uh, you probably ought to change it. But, hey, they can do what they want. They spend the money. They can uh, they can keep the copy as long as they want. They can change it as often as they want. It's, uh, it's their deal. We're just happy to have them. Uh, 924, uh, somebody said, texted in, said, probably get a 1099 for the tax refund rebate so we all pay tax on it. Yeah, I don't know about that. That's why I let uh, we uh, you know, we have you know a 
accounting firm take care of all of that stuff for us. So, uh, Just got my postcard in the mail yesterday about a tax rebate, and I've been waiting for a check, not a postcard. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just know it came as a check. Let's see. OPEC announced earlier today they are cutting production by 2 million barrels a day, cutting oil production. So I know the gas prices, I think I passed one station today. It was already up to 420-something. And I saw another one that was still under 4. So I don't know where it's headed. 925 at DWS. Brandon's with us. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good. How are you? Great. Hey, I've listened to several broadcasts this morning about Aaron Judge and his hitting his 60-second home run. But the trouble is they don't mention the fact that uh, Roger Maris did it in 154 games, not 161 games. Yeah, was it, uh, was it Maris or Ruth that had that? Because I remember when Maris broke Ruth's record, remember it was 100 and. I think I think that was the difference because remember people said oh they need to put an asterisk by it because it really wasn't 154 games for Maris I'm talking well, about yeah well records are made to be broken everything very happy for him doing it but you know tell the whole story we <laughs> look at it you know yeah so anyway well, my opinion very good hey that's why we're here thank you sir thank you appreciate Bye. it yeah I remember Roger Maris was under such stress. And it, well, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Ruth. They used to play 154 games, and it was made 162. And it seems like Ruth hit his, and then when Maris broke his record, people were like, well, it needs to have an asterisk by it because it says that it's 100. And, am I right about that? I think that's right. But uh, Judge did hit number 62. That ball uh, reputed, uh, I guess, some uh, – we'll have to ask uh, Brad Swanson about this, our – local expert from Bleacher Bum Cards about what that ball might be worth. But um, they say it might be worth $2 million. The one the young uh, the guy, or the guy caught out there, and I guess he's the husband of a reporter or a sports reporter from what I understand. I, in fact, I think the last couple of balls that were caught by fans were husbands or spouses of some sort of sports writer or reporter that happened to be in the stands. 927. Here on a penny for your thoughts, Dennis is with us. How you doing, Dennis? I'm fine, Brian. How you doing this morning? Good. What's up? Uh, well, maybe you just clarified it. My my phone went to Bluetooth on the truck, but uh, to clarify what that previous caller said, yeah, Ruth hit 60 in 154 games. Maris hit his 61st in the 162nd game. It went. The, the uh, league went to 162 games that year, and that's why they put that asterisk. Uh, I think it was Judge Ford Ford Frick that did it. Yeah, he said, "Well, he had an extra he had an extra eight games," and uh, later on they took the asterisk off. But yeah, Maris did it 162. Judge did it what 161. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. No, it's a remarkable accomplishment regardless. So, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So, love you like your program. Thanks hey. a lot and you have a good day. Thank you, Dennis. Hey, hey Brian. Yeah. Brian, yeah. is your is your is your dad's corn been harvested? Yes. 
Okay. Yep. That's, I was. That's my stone. That's my stone. That's my stone seed corn. I sell to Doug. So oh, I'm is it? Call him and find out how it yields. <laughs> well, it was doing pretty good. I think it was between. Um, well, there was one field that was different than the other, of course. But one I think was closer to two hundred, one ninety, two hundred. The other was over up to two thirty, two fifty at times. So it just depended. I'll, so. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after how dry right, it well, was. Thanks. Yeah, I know it. Have a good day. All right. Hey, thanks, we'll Dennis. See you later. Uh, All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, it says, yeah, 162 games for both Maris and Judge. Yeah, because that's where we are. Somebody said Maris and Judge played 162. Ruth played 154, long since decided to be equal. Yes, that's that's true. All right. Uh, 929, quick break. And I got a couple of, uh, well, historical moments to play for you here. We'll go in the way back machine right after this. It's the big orange out for the Illini as they take on the Hawkeyes, 6.30 at Memorial Stadium. Illini game day at 4.30, Saturday night. Got some news headlines coming up here in a moment. Then we'll talk to uh, Chris Ostertag. He is with uh, OSF. We'll talk about the... 100 years of Catholic health care provided uninterrupted. They're in one area of Urbana. We'll uh, talk about that for a few minutes. 9.33, real quick, today in history, the Wayback Machine. This day, October 5th, 1988, vice presidential debate, Lloyd Benson and Dan Quayle. Lloyd Benson was with Dukakis. Quayle was picked. He was pretty young, uh, fairly new in the Senate, had been a senator from Indiana for a little while. Picked by George H.W. Uh, Bush to be his running mate. Uh, Bush took a lot of heat for that. question was, well, is Quayle really he was a young man? Is he really ready to be president? And so they were talking during the course of the debate. Tom Brokaw asked Dan Quayle the question about, you know, would you be ready? Do you feel you're ready? And uh, Quayle made the reference to John F. Kennedy. And, and John F. Kennedy was a young man, too, when he was elected president. Had not been in the Senate that long. Uh, but, you know, had been in politics a little bit and, you know, similar age, similar experience, and he tried to make that case. And I remember watching this at the time, and I saw Lloyd Benson, who was an older uh, senator from Texas, and he kind of had this smirk on his face like, okay, here you go. And this is what he said after Quayle tried to make his case, saying, hey, I'm just as experienced as John Kennedy was when he was elected president, and here's how that sounded 34 years ago tonight. Senator? I served with Jack Kennedy. I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. Okay, so that happened in 88. So four years later, and this is one of my favorite moments in convention speech history, Ronald Reagan is speaking. They're looking to renominate uh, George H.W. Bush and Dan Quayle four years later at the Republican convention in 92, and Reagan was one of the speakers, former president, of course, gets up there, and uh, Bill Clinton was the Democratic nominee, and Clinton had made a claim that at one point in passing said, hey, you know, I, I'm kind of like Thomas Jefferson, or I hope to be the new Thomas Jefferson and, and all of this. He made some reference to that. And so Reagan, in his usual uh, humorous way, uh, drove home a point that uh, I thought was pretty funny and at the same time being kind of self-deprecating. So here's here's that four years later, Ronald Reagan at the Republican convention in 92. This fellow they've nominated claims he's the new Thomas Jefferson. 
Well, let me tell you something. I knew Thomas Jefferson. He was a friend of mine. And Governor, you're no Thomas Jefferson. So there you go, way back machine. Uh, Reagan delivering one of the great lines at the convention uh, speech. Of course, Bill Clinton got the last laugh. He went on to win that election in uh, 92. But that was, he was playing off the Lloyd Benson um Put down, I guess, if you will, of Dan Quayle four years earlier. So there you go. 936, back to talk a little OSF uh, as far as Catholic health care in Urbana. Here's CBS News, brought to you by First Mid Bank and Trust, providing financial solutions since 1865. Visit firstmid.com to find out more. Nine forty on a penny for your thoughts. A couple of texts that came in, and a lot we were talking about um, Aaron Judge and number sixty-two last night in Arlington. He broke Roger Maris's record. Uh, let's see here, and also about the tax rebate. Uh, on the tax rebate, we have not gotten ours either. Is there any info on getting rebate, whether you had to pay taxes or got a refund? I can't remember. There was a site you can go to to find out. And I can't remember what it is. So if somebody remembers, just let us know. Uh, Somebody, I guess, was going to send me a picture of a tax rebate postcard, but I don't see the picture. I've got the text. And then uh, let's see here. Hi, yeah, the state had extra money. It's not a lost opportunity to pay off debt, current state debt. In 2021, the Illinois state debt was 67.4 or 7 billion, will be 81.6 by 2027. That doesn't include the hundreds of billion dollars of pension debt. I know they paid that down a little bit here. Yeah, the state is in great shape. You have to buy votes somehow. Better to use taxpayer dollars than your own. Uh, And let's see, 162 games, yep, for both Maris and Judge. Ultimately, when Maris broke uh, Ruth's record in game 162, the baseball commissioner, Ford Frick, instigated the asterisk, which designated that Maris had only accomplished the feat in a longer season and disallowed any reference to him as the record holder. Commissioner Faye Vincent removed the asterisk in 1991. Maris was finally given credit as the single-season home run record holder. However, Maris had died in 1985, six years earlier, never knowing that the record actually belonged to him. Anyway, that's some of the leftover chatter from the uh, first portion of the show. Chris Ostertag joins us. He's the OSF Director of Mission Services for the Eastern Region. Here in studio. How are you, Chris? Good. How are you doing? Good. How long have you been with uh, OSF? Uh, just over a year now. Yeah. So what do you, what do you do specifically? What uh, When you say you're over the eastern region, what does that involve? Yeah, so I serve the, the communities in Danville, Urbana, Bloomington, and Pontiac. And, you know, OSF is a 15-hospital healthcare system, and we have four in kind of this cluster, this, mm-hmm. this area of the state. And I really, you know, work and kind of walk alongside leaders, you know, helping 
to ensure that we're continuing to live out our mission, vision, values in, in 2022, you know, just as the sisters did as they started this healthcare ministry 145 years ago. Yeah, the history of this is really fascinating. We're going to talk about the celebrations that are going on and what the public can attend if they would like. But 100 years of healthcare, Catholic healthcare in Urbana. So yeah. Talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting event that we have coming up tomorrow, so Thursday, October 6th. So we're celebrating a century of Catholic health care in Urbana. So, you know, OSF has been in this community since 2018, but there's a long storied history of Catholic health care all the way back to, to really 1919, where there was a house on 5th and White Street. Um, and then the current West Park Street location, there was a hospital that opened, uh, and I believe late 1922, and there's been Catholic health care serving the community ever since. Mm. Yeah, I know the first, uh, on White Street, there was 14 beds, I think, it, it showed, and then uh, it opened up 100 years ago with 50 beds, and then the Mercy Hospital School of Nursing established in 1928. So, And of course, if I'm a little older than you, but you go back far enough, people remember Mercy Hospital. Yeah. In Urbana, so. Yeah, and, and that name is, is actually attributed to, so the original uh, religious women who, who cared for the sick were the Sisters of Mercy of the Holy Cross, and that's where the name Mercy Hospital came from. Um, and then shortly, you know, early on in its history of Mercy Hospital, the servants of the Holy Heart of Mary uh, were called and, and answered that call to come care for the sick in this community and uh, continue today. Uh, we have uh, two sisters with, from the servants of the Holy Heart of Mary. Um, and, and the name, you know, OSF Heart of Mary Medical Center mm-hmm. is very much in recognition for um, you know, the beautiful work that these women have done over uh, mm-hmm. decades in serving the community. Yeah, the mission really hasn't changed. No, right absolutely. In years. Yeah, I mean, the name may change, but. Yeah, the name has changed, and, you know, some of the religious congregations that have kind of guided and overseed the, the ministry has changed, but the mission is, is rooted all the way back in, you know, the gospel message and Jesus' ex- example to, to care for the sick and the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Some of the uh, other years that, uh, let's see here, I mentioned uh, the School of Nursing established, uh, the new School of Nursing building opened in 1948, second edition in 49 to the original building at the north end of the 41 edition. Uh, let's see here, 1976, three stories added to the 1963 edition. Uh, that edition included new lab facilities. Bed capacity was at 266. It's interesting, the bed capacity kept increasing yeah, over yeah, the years. Yeah, <laughs> as, as the community grows, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. What yeah, else in the history you want to just kind of inform us about? Yeah, so so the Mercy Hospital name, um, you know, it started in that ni- early 1922 and all the way up until 1989 when Mercy Hospital merged with Burnham City Hospital in mm-hmm. Champaign to then form Provena Covenant Medical Center. And then in 1997, the Franciscan Sisters of the Sacred Heart and the Servants of the Holy Heart of Mary and the Sisters of Mercy of the Americas created Provena Health, and a new era of growth began uh, just before the turn of the the 20th, uh, 21st century. And then in 2011, uh, Provena Health and Resurrection Health merged, and Presence Health was created. Mm-hmm. So Provena Covenant Medical Center then became Presence Covenant Medical Center. 
And then fast forward till more recently, and you know, in in 2017, OSF Healthcare um, signed a letter of intent to take over ownership of Presence Covenant Medical Center. And then in February of 2018, um, the sisters of the Third Order of St. Francis, who own governor and sponsor OSF Healthcare, renamed Presence Covenant Medical Center to OSF Healthcare Heart of Mary Medical Center, again, as, as, as a nod to the, the beautiful work that the servants of the Holy Heart of Mary have done in this community. Mm-hmm. Chris Ostertag is with us. We're talking about a 100-year celebration here, and we'll talk about some of the events coming up here in the next couple of days as OSF uh, celebrates that of the, the Catholic health care that is provided here in Urbana for 100 years now. I had forgotten that merger with Burnham, and that was that far back, 1989. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's going back a little bit now. Yeah, yeah, and that's, yeah, and it's it's just hard to believe it's it's been 100 years, you know, of, of this hospital being in the community. Yeah, all, all in one spot, because you are near the same spot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, on that West Park Street location. Yeah, the hospital has certainly grown in size and footprint, but it's it's been right there embedded in the community. Let's talk about some of the events coming up. Um, I know there's some events that are uh, involved with OSF folks directly, and uh, and then there's others. There's one I know in particular the public can attend. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So we'll be starting. Uh, we're we're really thrilled and honored to welcome Bishop Louis Tilka, who is the bishop from of the Diocese of Peoria. So he will be coming over in the morning along with Sister Judith Ann, who is the chairperson of the board of OSF Healthcare. So they're going to be coming and we're going to be doing a lunch with some mission partners and, and local leaders at the medical center. And then we're going to be having a, a beautiful rededication blessing and blessing of mission partner hands to just really recognize the the beautiful work that all of our mar- mission partners do and just just kind of renewing our call, you know, in mm-hmm. uh, to care for those in the community. So that'll be, you know, for, for mission partners at OSF. And then at 2 to 4 p.m. at Carmen's, there's going to be a public reception, again, just to recognize and celebrate this century of Catholic healthcare in the community and looking forward to the years to come. Mm-hmm. So the public can attend the one at Carmen's, Yes, right? yeah. The yeah. public event uh, is 2 to 4 at Carmen's um, mm-hmm. on North Neal Street. Okay. Yep. So that'll be uh, people can come in and just... Yep, and join in fellowship, and uh, Bishop Louis Tilka and Sister Judith Ann will both be giving, uh, uh, some, making some remarks, and then there'll just be an opportunity for uh, people in the community to, to gather. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, it's, it is interesting when you study history how uh, healthcare has evolved, just from a technological standpoint, since 100 years ago. Yeah. But then being able to keep that footprint in Urbana all those years, yeah, it says a lot about the healthcare that you've been provided over the years, I guess. No, absolutely. And, and really, if you look at, you know, the history of healthcare in the United States, you know, so much of it really did begin with religious women and religious men, you know, caring for the sick and the dying. Um, and then to see where we are today, you know, both technologically, as you mentioned, but um, really just beautiful how that mission doesn't change. It's still the mm-hmm. same, even though we're able to maybe care in new ways. Yeah. How many beds are they up to now? Do you know the I, I think number? 207, 207 licensed beds, okay. I believe. Yep. Is where it is now. And of course, you mentioned the facilities. Uh, I see them over in Danville. and Yeah. Yeah. We have the, the hospital, Sacred Heart Medical Center in Danville and St. Joseph Medical Center in Bloomington. 
Um, and as I mentioned, OSF has uh, 15 hospitals across Illinois, and we have one up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan as well. Mm. Um, yeah, and you know, this year, um, I think I mentioned this in passing, but this year marks 145 years mm-hmm. since the Sisters of the Third Order of St. Francis were formally established. And at the same time, St. Francis Medical Center in Peoria, that was their first, mm-hmm. their first hospital. Uh, so this year, celebrating 145 years of caring for the communities of mm. Central Illinois. Well, congratulations on all this. Yeah, it's a great you. celebration. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely, and it's it's just a blessing. Um, you know, many people have come before us and and cared for individuals in these communities, and uh, we're definitely honored to continue answering that call to to care for people mm-hmm. who need it. Chris, thanks for coming in. I Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks Enjoy for enjoy the me. next couple of days and all that's happening. All right. So Thank I you. Appreciate it. All right, Chris Ostertag, he's the OSF director of Mission Services for the Eastern Region, and uh, he's been in studio with us here today. Again, 100 years of uninterrupted Catholic health care on one site, and uh, that'll be taking place, a rededication of the hospital at 1 p.m. on Thursday. There's a public reception. You can attend that in, at uh, Carmen's in Champaign from 2 to 4, and a couple of special guests as well there for uh, some of the events here in town. So congratulations to them. 951. Judge Jason Baum coming up after the top of the hour, back after this. Join us for Fighting Illini Volleyball on the road at Maryland. 6 o'clock will be the first serve. We'll have it for you on the radio. 6 o'clock Friday night from Maryland. appreciate Chris Ostertag coming in, being with us, and uh, congratulations to all the folks over there. Great celebration coming up this week, 9.55. All right, uh, a couple of folks have texted in. Thank you, and I knew there was a website. It's tax.illinois.gov, tax.illinois.gov, G-O-V, slash rebates is the website. I guess that's where you can go to learn more about if you're getting one or whatever the case may be. Tax rebate info access from Illinois Department of Revenue site or at uh, tax.illinois.gov slash rebate. So a lot of folks have uh, called in about that. Bob in Champaign says, stop calling it a tax rebate. Refer to it what it is, a bribe. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Bob. Well, it is. uh, the, The timing is interesting, right? I mean, they even got done early in the spring and then. These come out like a month before the election. So, yeah, okay. Uh, 9.56 at DWS on a penny for your thoughts. Haven't got to listen as much as I would like the last few months. Was any info on the investigation of the alleged Ammon's purse purloin came out? Well, uh, the, I mean, the only thing I've seen lately is from two years ago where it said special prosecutor declines to charge Representative Ammons for alleged purse theft. And that was from November of 2020. So I, I don't know if there's anything other than that. I mean, that's that was the latest, I think. 956, John is with us. Hey, John. Hey, good morning, Brian. I just want to make it quick. You ever notice how farmers always follow baseball? We used to do it in South Carolina with my grandfather. He know everything about baseball. <laughs> oh, sure. But farmers follow baseball a lot. Then I, I still think about that. 
Yeah, well, it's uh, you know it's when they're out in the harvest and the and the ball games are on, you know, and they're big baseball fans because it was America's game there for so long. Yeah, so. <laughs> and you guys think it's a great show. Thank you, John. Bye bye. Appreciate you, sir. A quick break, and or do we need a break, Adam, or not? I don't know if we do or not. I think we're okay. If you need to take one, I can take a minute or so here. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Let's do it, and then we'll do the news here at the top of the hour, and then Judge Bomb. about 20 seconds out here from CBS News at the top of the hour. And then Judge Jason Baum here in the 6th Judicial Circuit will uh, join us. We'll take uh, your questions for him, comments, thoughts for uh, Judge Baum coming up. We've got Scott Bennett and Julia Reitz tomorrow on the Safety Act. This is WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Fast first hour, CBS News next at the tone. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. You can join in on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or send an email to talk at WDWS.com. Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. All right, hour number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts. It's 10-11, headed for a high of 76 today. A low of 49 tonight, 78 tomorrow, and then the uh, bottom drops a little bit, a high of 59 on Friday. So Saturday night's football game could be quite chilly, as they say. Uh, 60 degrees the high on Saturday, but a lot of sunshine. We're back on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Uh, had a couple of uh, things left over again. If you missed the uh, tax rebate discussion, because I had mentioned I got my rebate from the governor here the other day, and you can go to tax.illinois.gov slash rebates if you have any questions on whether you're going to get one or not get one or whatever the case may be. Of course, we had some hail here recently, a roost by Roger, 46 years of experience. Roger Oakletree has. They've been in business uh, for 35-plus years. They have enhanced warranties. All new roofs come with a 50-year system warranty. If you're worried about the uh, expense, there is uh, down payment, uh, no down payment required. There is a uh, payment plan. And for most folks, it's 100 to 200 uh, per month for their roof with financing. So you can get it financed that way. Free estimates, residential and commercial. And we've told you about the uh, roof washing you can uh, take advantage of, too, that improves the look of your property and uh, maybe extend the life of your shingles and maybe extend the life of those shingles so you don't have to get a new roof right away. So um, make sure you check that out. Roof washing. Give them a call, 217-834-3800. Uh, hey, Brian, we love the baseball games when I was young, too, but we couldn't listen to them in the farm and farming because the radio scared the horses. We were talking about baseball and uh, how farmers, John said farmers tend to know a lot about baseball, and that's probably true. All right, uh, Jason Baum is our guest, and uh, he is with us. How are you, Jason? Doing, doing Good to well, see you. Judge Brian? Jason Baum. Good to see you. So as no, well. no, no court today, obviously. Well, I was oh. actually in court oh. before this, and I'll really? be back at eleven thirty. So. Really? Yeah. So you just carved out the time for us I here. Did. Yeah. Well, that's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. So how many cases do you hear? I mean, what's a typical day like for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it varies from day to day. Um, I am the civil call uh, primarily, so. 
when we have routine hearings, we could have 15 hearings in the morning or uh, the mortgage foreclosure calls a more heavy one. We could have 30 cases there. If we have more substantive uh, hearings, it could just be a handful. Hmm. Um, and then when we're in trial, it's that case the whole day. Yeah. So what time of day does your day start? Nine? Uh, I yeah. try to get there about 8.30. Okay. Um, uh, court, we usually don't start before nine, but uh, I'm usually okay. in the office before 8.30. Wow. Well, it's good to have you here. And of course, uh, some people may recognize you as the father of your uh, son, the quarterback <laughs> of Muhammad, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, uh, pretty proud of him and proud of his team. And a mm-hmm. good thing he got his mother's athletic ability. <laughs> <laughs> well, he uh, I know he had a couple of picks the other night, but uh, Muhammad still won. So yep, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a great team win. Their defense uh, was uh, spectacular. Offense has been putting up uh, close to fifty, if not fifty, every game. So it's been a been a fun ride for yeah. sure. Yeah, we live, I live in Muhammad too. They love their bulldogs. They do love their bulldogs. Senior so. night uh, this Friday. So uh-huh. um, is sure your son be, a senior? He is a senior. Yeah, okay. So I'm sure there'll be some Kleenex boxes on the sideline uh, <laughs> this week. Tell me about your wife, Caroline. Uh, she uh, grew up in Kentucky, um, mm-hmm. so she uh, bled blue until I brought her here. When I was in law school, and now she yeah. bleeds blue and orange, so that's uh, good. Yeah, so you went to the U of I law school. I did, yeah. a degree yep. from Yeah, we there. met in undergrad uh, at Taylor University in Indiana. But Okay. Uh, I had a nephew that went there. Okay. Was a pitcher there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in uh, Upland, Indiana, famous yep. for Ivanhoe's ice cream is there, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now would you would you have been in the law school about the t- are you younger than Josh Whitman or is that are you similar age to Josh? Uh, so I graduate I'm not sure the year he graduated um but I was there from 01 to 03. Okay. Yeah, cuz that would have been right about the time he finished he, playing football. Yeah, I then, think he might have been behind me and then I believe if memory serves which I could be incorrect that he clerked in the 7th circuit afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh and I clerked in St. Louis yeah. so who were some of your professors there? Uh, Andy right? Leopold, uh, yeah. and uh, we still keep in contact. Uh, and then uh, Carlos Ball was a professor, uh, Richard Kaplan, uh, John Colombo. Mm-hmm. So, some good names there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Judge Jason Baum is with us. A lot of topics to get to with him besides sports and uh, this and that. But certainly um, one of the things that's come up, of course, has been uh, the Safety Act and cash bail and all of that, and you're in a judge's role. Yep. Uh, any thoughts on it? What do you think is going to happen? Do we know for I, sure? I, I mean, I, I, I don't think uh, with any new system you don't really know until you experience it. So there will certainly be bumps in the road, uh, as there is with any new system. I think Judge Olmstead has done an excellent job for all of us judges in keeping on top of it. Um, and it'll affect his call the most. He sits mm-hmm. over arraignment court, which is where that issue would arise uh, primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be uh, one of the difficulties is there's still talks of uh, amendments. And I don't know Senator Bennett here has proposed some amendments. So mm-hmm. the practicalities of it are uh, uh, I don't think we know until we know. I will say that uh, I was a federal prosecutor for a decade before becoming a judge, and we didn't have a cash bail system there um and it is a workable system but there are certainly going to be kinks that need to be worked yeah for people that aren't as familiar and i'm certainly not uh, how it typically works when a judge sets bail right talk about how that works what goes into that decision sure and then how will it you know Um, going forward you know well how it works now is Mm -hmm. uh what the allegations are uh Mm -hmm. what type of case it is what the history 
uh, of the defendant is and um, the amount uh, that you think will guarantee uh, appearance in court and the safety of the public. Mm-hmm. That uh, is a sliding scale, obviously. The, under the new system, it would be more of a binary choice, uh, detained, pretrial, or not detained, mm-hmm. with far fewer uh, offenses being detainable offenses. Right now, every new case, you have to make that determination uh, under the Safety Act. Only certain cases are detainable offenses. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that'd be the biggest change. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just yeah. The, I think Basically. the binary uh, detained or not detained is obviously mm-hmm. the biggest change between yeah. here's an amount that we think. Well, I've known uh, Judge Olmstead a while. I've known Brett for several years, so yeah. he's keeping you updated yeah, on very, that. Yeah, obviously incredibly intelligent, uh, great judge, and uh, he's done a, a good service for the judiciary and the citizens of Champaign County throughout mm-hmm. this. Uh, let me ask you, too, and for people that don't know, you succeeded um, – Mike Jones, yes, and Judge Jones, of course, for many years. Yes. So you're basically doing what he was doing. Yes, uh, I uh, have the exact same call that Judge Jones. I took it over when he retired, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So. so what are typical cases? Without getting into specifics, what are things you generally? Yeah, my typical cover? call are civil lawsuits uh, where the amount is over fifty thousand dollars in contest. So breaches of contract, negligence cases, whether that's uh, a car accident. Uh, or a slip and fall case, or uh, professional negligence, medical malpractice, um, breaches of contract, as I said. Uh, those are the primary uh, causes of action that lead to a civil case. It's basically two, two people who have a disagreement, and the amount of that disagreement, the damages are over $50,000. Mm-hmm. I know Mike Jones told me that uh, I think he was uh, at the courthouse at his time. He shared an office with uh, Judge Blockman. Yes. Who did family court. Yes. So and I, and, and when I started, it was I took over Judge Jones's office, and Judge Rosenbaum had taken over Judge Blockman's office. Okay. Uh, things have shuffled office-wise since then. I now share with uh, Judge Weber. And he always said uh, what uh, what he always told me, Judge Jones, was that he had, the, you know, while it was personal because it was financial, said the, the family law judges really, those are tougher cases because it's so personal, divorce sure. court. All that happens with custody and uh, child time and everything else. Yeah, it's a lot I, tougher. Uh, um, I think obviously the money—it's uh, not unpersonal many yeah. times, but mm-hmm. uh, things that affect our daily life. Uh, you know, we see folks that are coming to the courthouse aren't coming usually because they want to be there and they're <laughs> in tough circumstances. Uh, so, uh, and. Unfortunately, our job requires that usually uh, at least 50% of the people leaving our courtroom are disappointed with the outcome. So mm-hmm. uh, it can be uh, the human element. While I love that part of the job, it can be a, a tricky one to handle. Yeah. What do you enjoy the most about? Yeah. Uh, I, what I enjoy the most about it is learning about new things that I'd never heard of uh, before that. The civil case gives you such a, a, a broad array. Uh, so, for instance, uh, I was reading about rebar and concrete uh, this morning getting okay. ready for a case, uh, which I don't know much about and how you test whether the rebar is in the right position. Uh, or when it comes to a medical malpractice case, you read about uh, and learn about medical procedures you might not know much about. So just being able to learn the mm-hmm. reading and the writing aspect of the civil call, I really do yeah. enjoy that. Part. How much, I've always been wondering about this, uh, how much time do you like I prep for a game. Sure. How much prep do you do? For, I mean, because you'll see a judge. Okay, I'll come back and render my decision. Yeah. But how de- much prep have you done up till then? 
Uh, it when depends you, on the case and yeah, the hearing. Yeah. I uh, there was a I had a trial set, oh probably six months ago that I locked myself in a room. There were eighteen motions. Uh, the amount of pages I read, I did the math because I was a math major, uh, <laughs> was about seven hundred. So just consuming that amount of uh, information and then being able to digest it and give a coherent uh, ruling. Right is pretty intensive. Now there's other cases that uh, uh, the the prep is far lower. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. just depends on the case and the hearing. Yeah, in your the cases you are there predominantly no juries. No, they're are, predom- uh, they mostly are, are juries. Okay, um, okay. Th- it's rare. Uh, lots of civil cases settle. Uh, mm-hmm. People come to resolutions short of trial, but if we go to trial, it is a jury case. And COVID has backed us up. Obviously, it backed everything up, and the first thing to kind of unclog was the criminal docket. Um, and now we're catching up on the civil docket. So the rest of this mm-hmm. year and the early part of next year is pretty uh, loaded mm-hmm. with trials. Circuit Judge uh, Jason Baum is with us here for the hour. And if you have some questions, we do have a question for you here. So we'll have you grab your headsets there. Uh, Edmund is with us here this morning with Judge Jason Baum. Go ahead, Edmund. Yes, I like to ask the judge. I think he uh, pretty much answered the my first question regarding like uh, percentage. You know, how uh, uh, how many people choose a jury trial over a bench trial? You know, where uh, the judge make the decision. And so, uh, and second, uh, I I have this other question regarding uh, like uh, court costs. If you get sued, and let's say you know somebody's you know filed a frivolous suit or something, can you and they lose? Can you get the the costs that you might incur defending yourself or uh, from them, or you have to counter sue. You know, I, I don't know if there was any any provision for that. And the the third uh, or the the other part is responsibility. If you're just like an ordinary working person, and let's say you see, uh, you know, something, you know, a potential accident, you know, waiting to happen, and everything. Okay, uh, what you know, the moral thing is to try to, you know, alert the the bosses, you know, whoever, you know, whoever your superior is, or try to fix it your, yourself there. But is there a, a greater responsibility for the higher ups to one know about these things uh, beforehand and uh, uh, versus kind of, you know, kind of being conveniently clueless as I call it and everything. Uh, so, you know, what, what would be the, uh, the responsibility and everything like that there, you know, in terms of, you know, it, it does it, is there a greater responsibility on the part of the, of the supervisors or versus the ordinary you know, people and everything in terms hmm. of, you know, being able to, so those are basically my, my questions and everything. So. All right. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Edmund. Let me, I'll, appreciate uh, it. I'll start with, uh, the question on court costs. There are, uh, provisions that you can recover if something's frivolous, uh, mm-hmm. attorney's fees and court costs. Uh, in many cases that comes down to the discretion of, uh, the judge and uh, whether there was a bona fide dispute or not. So there are mechanisms that you could recover that. With respect to uh, responsibility, uh, that's a question that comes up in every negligence case, which is what duty is owed uh, and who has the duty. And uh, the caller is correct that it does depend on things like authority, responsibility. Um, what does your job entail? Do you have the duty uh, to make sure something uh an accident isn't waiting to happen. That would depend on your job responsibilities. Uh, so that's a case-by-case case and a, a factual scenario by factual scenario. But responsibility or legal uh, liability flows from how much duty is owed by the person to 
correct the situation that they see mm. in front of yeah. them. Yeah, and that's the kind of cases that you deal with right uh, that comes yeah. up in almost every <laughs> negligence case is yeah. uh what's the duty owed here uh is there a duty owed here and then from that you uh, uh yeah. can determine what liability is potentially there yeah. is there is there a range in liability typically are we talking a few hundred thousand dollars millions i mean it's just I mean, what it, do the damages uh what's compensable damages to the minimum amount to get into the uh there's small claims for under 50,000 to okay. get into uh, what we call major civil that's 50,000 or more and then the or more is just dependent on what damages were incurred and what's going to be the amount of money to compensate for those damages yeah. what's the biggest one you've ever dealt with uh, in the tens of millions was the biggest <laughs> really? one really yeah. tens of millions wow Okay. Yeah. That's some serious money. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. and some that's some serious damage. Yes, that's right. Ten twenty six. Judge Jason Baum is with us. Back with our judge here. And if you have some questions, comments, thoughts, uh, you're welcome to join us. Back in a moment. Ten thirty. Judge Jason Baum is with us, Sixth Judicial Circuit, Circuit Judge, and I guess there is a difference between a Circuit Judge and an Associate Judge. Is that right? What's there is? What's the, uh, circuit Judges are uh, elected uh, by the voters, and then the Circuit Judges select uh, Associate Judges. Okay. Okay, but you had to run once, right? You I were did. appointed. I was appointed in 2018 to replace Judge Jones's retirement, and then I ran in 2020 to uh, remain a circuit judge. Okay, and then it's every six years yeah. retention thereafter. And I've always thought that's a little. And I've talked to the sheriff about this and others where you're doing a job, and yet as it turns out, you still have to at least once you have to run. Yeah, and uh, that's and, always and, and and the judicial job should be anything but partisan. Yeah. Uh, which makes it uh, awkward to run then uh, as as a partisan or on a partisan ticket um, when the job has nothing to do with politics or ought not to have anything yeah, to do with politics. And that. it shouldn't, yeah. You're, you're just deciding cases. I mean, that's, that's right. what it's about. All right, so ju- uh, the Judge Obama is with us. You were just in Decatur? I was in so Decatur yesterday. yesterday so you do court, travel yes. a little bit. Yeah, we uh, the 6th Judicial Circuit is six counties, uh, De- Macon, DeWitt, Pyatt, Douglas, Moultrie, and Champaign. Uh, I primarily sit in Champaign, but when there are, uh, for some reason, judges in another county might know litigants or couldn't preside over the case, then we do travel and have mm-hmm. done uh, a case in every county, I believe, but Pyatt at this point. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. I've got a question. Can your decisions be appealed? Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Judges' decisions can be appealed. Uh, now, the decision has to be in the civil context. It has to be a final and uh, appealable decision. So, for instance, if you ruled on a uh, an evidentiary matter, but it didn't end the case, you couldn't just appeal that decision. Mm-hmm. There are mechanisms for what they call interlocutory appeals that happen in the middle of a case. But if you analogize it to a sporting event, uh, you can't appeal every ball and strike call, but you can appeal uh, the outcome of the game uh, at mm. the end of it. Okay. And that's where a, a Justice Steigman or someone like that comes sure, in yeah. at the, the appellate so, level. And now uh, we that w- he's on the 4th District, and that's where Champaign used to have appeals heard. Uh, it was changed. We're now in the 5th District, so it would go to Mount Vernon, uh, and they would hear the appeals mm-hmm. from anything that happens in the 6th Circuit. Right. 
All right, uh, Judge Jason Baum is with us. Uh, hi, Brian and Jason. The Bulldogs are such an explosive team. An awesome job to Wyatt. It's your son. Yeah. And his team for an outstanding season this Friday night is senior night. Frank Dutton Field, go Bulldogs. So, yeah, that's uh, weighing in on your son there. So. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, I would, uh, we're proud of him, but I'd kind of, there is a part of me that just wants him to be able to live his own life without his dad kind of <laughs> hanging over him a little bit. Yeah, and you've got other children? I do have yeah. three boys. Three boys. Yep. Well, He's the oldest. Busy household. It is a very yeah. busy household. I bet. All right, let me get to the news real quick. Brought to you by Blaine's Farm and Fleet, your ag headquarters, helping you get the job done right with farm supplies and equipment, fencing, feed, and more. Wisconsin-based and family-owned since 1955. Here's CBS, back with a judge here in a moment. Just a Ten thirty-five on a penny for your thoughts. MX Electric, one of our sponsors. Max is the man. Two one seven three five nine seventy two ninety three. If you need some electrical work done, he did some stuff. His company did for my dad down at the farm there west of Tolono. And if you want uh, whatever the need is, big, small, or in between, when it comes to electricity, maybe you said think about some outdoor lighting for Christmas, Halloween, or whatever the case may be. MX can uh, get. That done for you. They have generators if you need those. You saw the generators they were hoping to work down in Florida. Some did, some didn't uh, with the hurricane. But anyway, if you need that done, uh, MX Electric, 217-359-7293. Pleased to be joined by Judge Jason Baum, a judge here in the uh, 6th Judicial Circuit in uh, Champaign County. Uh, let me go to the phones here, and we'll see what Herb has to say. And uh, Herb joins us this morning with Judge Baum. How you doing, Herb? I'm doing good, Brian. I just got a couple of quick questions. Uh, oh, we lost you. Go ahead. Um, yeah, Judge, will, uh, will a judge, does a judge get to hear uh, prior bad acts before they make a decision on releasing or not releasing the criminal? Typically, yes, we are given the... Uh, we're given the criminal history uh, of an individual. Uh, a lot of times that's an incomplete uh, because uh, we know what the, the prosecutor tells us. So uh, obviously as a case goes along, uh, that information becomes uh, clearer and uh, perhaps more accurate. But we are given... Uh, what the prosecutor uh, relays as the prior criminal history prior to making a, a bond decision. Okay. Mm -hmm. if, the, if they do away with cash bail, will a judge still be able to detain people, like put them in jail and say no release, or will that go away also? Uh, under the current uh, uh, proposal, there will still be detainable offenses, and people will still be detained uh, if they pose a, a, a serious risk. Uh, to others, uh, or if there is, uh, for instance, evidence of non-appearance. So if someone, uh, think of, someone's going to flee the country to avoid prosecution, uh, that type of thing, it could still be detainable. So it's not as though there won't be detention, it's just mm -hmm. that uh, there won't be a cash bail set for uh, detainable offenses. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank, thank you, Herb. And is the type of offense, does that affect that? 
too? I'm yes. Gonna, so okay. there, there'll be uh, the, the the act outlines the offenses that are detainable and offenses that are not detainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some offenses that it will just be a matter of uh, setting conditions of release, um, mm-hmm. but it's not a detainable offense. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven is our number. Judge Jason Baum is with us here on a penny for your thoughts. Who are some of the uh, mentors for you, judges you looked up to, or you? Still stay in touch with or get advice from or whatever? Sure. So uh, Judge Bernthal is probably the first name that comes to mind. I was a federal prosecutor in his court. He was the federal magistrate here uh, and appeared in front of him on a a routine basis. The judge I clerked for, Donald Storr in St. Louis, also had a a profound impact on me. Uh, And then I appeared – I started my career – in Chicago and didn't really appear in front of judges much. It was a large law firm. But then once I became a federal prosecutor in Springfield, Judge Gene Scott and uh, Judge Mills over there. And then here it was Judge McCuskey mm-hmm. uh, and Judge Bernthal. Uh, Judge Baker as well. So uh, I was fortunate. I've been fortunate to practice in front of a lot of good judges. And uh, yeah, they've had a – Judge Bernthal's had a profound impact on me, yeah. for sure. Well, there's always – there's this talk about judicial temperament. Yeah. And it's something you would learn from them, I guess, and in, right? And, and Judge Bernthal should be in the uh, dictionary next to judicial temperament <laughs> really? because He's, he, he yeah. had an excellent uh, temperament. But you know, judges are human, and yeah. uh, maintaining that uh, isn't always easy, but uh, mm-hmm. we should be as dispassionate uh, about the cases in front of us as we can be and make sure everybody – uh, feels like they're being heard fairly and treated fairly. Yeah. Well, and I think too that would be if you if as you're watching attorneys make their case, you know, I, this for me from a human standpoint, you'd be going, well, that person's doing a good job, and that person's probably not. Uh, but I mean, is that is that yeah, part think, of the human equation? I guess, and, and especially as you, for me, when I moved from being a lawyer to a, a judge in 2018. There is a vast difference between being a player and being an umpire. And uh, as an umpire, you don't – it's not your pitch to throw. You don't know if it's a fastball or a breaking ball. You know maybe what you would throw, but it's not your pitch to throw. So that's not part of the equation. Um, But it it is a different skill set, and I I hope that temperamentally I've Mm -hmm. – I'm well disposed to this job. Yeah, because the, the, you do get graded on that. I mean, that's part of the yeah, sure. Uh, the judicial temperament yeah. uh, and being fair uh, to all sides is absolutely something that uh, comes up in judicial evaluation. Because yeah. I think the end result you want is no matter how the litigants feel about how it turned out, right? You want them to walk away and say, "Well, I may not agree with what he did, but I felt like I got a fair shot." Yeah, one yeah. of the most uh, one of the first cases I worked on as a lawyer, and it, and it really did stick with me to this day, was uh, a case in St. Louis. It was uh, a medical malpractice case where the the doctor uh, couldn't stand the patient because he believed he was threatening his career. The patient couldn't stand the doctor because he thought he had uh, hurt him. But they trusted the system enough to resolve that dispute peacefully as opposed to fighting about it in the streets or settling it some Mm -hmm. other way. So that's what we want is a judiciary where people trust that their disputes, regardless Mm -hmm. of the outcome, will be fairly heard and a Mm -hmm. just outcome will prevail. And not only the litigants, but the attorneys themselves. Absolutely. Attorneys want to know what to expect. you don't want to go in uh, not knowing you want consistency, you want fairness, and you want to be heard uh, without being yelled at. Mm-hmm.
That's right. All right, let's go uh, back to the phones here at 1042. Joe's with us. How you doing, Joe? Hello. Uh, I got a question. I don't, I don't know if he can answer it, but anyway, has the law changed for has the laws changed for people, somebody that's accompanying somebody to a crime and and they let people get by with stuff? I mean, the way I always understood is if you was accompanied with somebody, regardless of whether you knew or not, and they committed a crime, you're you're tried as an accessory. Isn't that correct? Thank you, Joe. Well, it does depend on uh, the state of mind. It, you, if you aid and abet uh, an offense, uh, so the getaway driver of a robbery, absolutely you're liable for uh, the principal's actions. But uh, if you're totally ignorant, uh, you're just driving a friend somewhere and they commit a crime you had no idea of, uh, you probably would not have what the law calls the mens rea uh, to be mm-hmm. guilty there. Hmm. Yeah, there was even a case today uh, in the paper about a 17-year-old on probation for murder roll, the Lyft driver's death, where this young man apparently uh, threw the gun. He wasn't involved in the actual shooting, but he threw the gun on a roof, I guess, and they got him for obstruction, uh, charged him with that, and I guess he's going to testify against one of the other defendants. So again, yeah, it depends on you, you can be guilty uh, if you know beforehand and you help someone uh, commit a crime. You can also, if you help cover up a crime after the fact uh, as well. But, again, it depends on what's what they can prove is in the mind of the, uh, the individual. Mm-hmm. J- uh, Judge Jason Baum is with us here until the uh, top of the hour, 1044. Let me get another break in. Some more questions have come in for our judge back after this. Hey, Illini family, it's Brett Bielma. Every Fighting Illini football game is right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM and on the News Gazette app. Ten forty-seven on a penny for your thoughts. Judge Jason Baum with us here for a few more minutes, and he's got another case to get to. 11, 11.30, you said? 11.30. Be you there. put the roll back yeah. on. and Yes, sir. Wow. Okay. Uh, 217-356-9397. Appreciate you coming by here uh, today. Uh, by the way, you mentioned uh, your dad was a hog farmer near... Yeah, my dad, uh, when I grew up on a hog farm, and he, uh, a lot of his hogs were in a little town called Milledgeville, which isn't far from Prophetstown, where another uh, guy here in town's dad is a hog farmer. Brad so, Bielema, yeah. Yeah, small wow. world. Did they know each other? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I don't know. They probably did, <laughs> and that's in that area. Uh, could the judge explain the Safety Act in relationship to the appeal of the judge's ruling to hold an accused person to, in jail rather than allow their release without bail? And who represents the accused at the appellate level if they appeal? So there is a mechanism now uh, that uh, allows for the appeal of that decision, unlike what is currently existing. Uh, and just like any other case, if someone is indigent, the uh, the appellate defender's office would represent them on appeal. Of course, uh, you can hire your own lawyer to represent you on appeal, but you are entitled to counsel uh, uh, on appeal as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Safety Act, and I know uh, Scott Bennett's on with us tomorrow, and Julia Reitz, and they'll go in a little more in depth on all this. But I know when the original bill passed, it was late in the, at night, as people have said, in the morning, and there's been some changes proposed. I know Scott's uh, talk about his 
proposals, but uh, they've been talking to judges to try to figure out, right? Yeah, uh, I believe uh, I believe there's been discussion uh, throughout the state uh, mm-hmm. between legislators and uh, the judiciary and uh, just trying to clarify and understand uh, and prepare for uh, yeah. applying this law. Applying the law, yeah, because it's one thing to pass a law. It's another, okay, now what do we do with it? Sure, and, and, and there's always – uh, you don't know what you don't know, and uh, with any law, uh, there's usually gaps in it that you don't foresee uh, and has to get worked out uh, practically once it's uh, mm-hmm. implemented. Unforeseen circumstances or situations. Sure. Uh, 1049 at uh, DWS on a, a penny for your thoughts. We've got the uh, judge with us here until 11 o'clock. Let me get another break in real quick, and we'll come back our final segment with uh, Judge Baum. We'll let him go back to work here after <laughs> this. Hang on. Back on a penny for your thoughts. A couple of minutes to go here. 10.53 with Judge Jason Baum. We appreciate his time today. The folks at Hutchcraft Van Service, over 50 trucks, vans, and trailers. They're at 1614 North Lincoln in Urbana. You've, you've heard them around. They've been around forever. Hutchcraft Van Service started decades ago and then uh, got lined up with United Van Lines in 1953, Orrin and Gerald. And the rest, as they say, is history. They specialize in local moves as well as across-border moves. In Illinois, local movers at Hutchcraft provide the best value for your efficient moves. And they're able to customize our services to encompass any part of a move. Whether it's uh, household goods relocation, international military relocation, office relocation, short-term and summer storage for students, they can do it all. At uh, Hutchcraft Van Service, they're in Urbana. They also have a location in Normal, but here in Urbana, they're at Lincoln Avenue. And uh, make sure as they team up with United Van Lines, they get you the best service. So good folks over there, family, long-time business, long-time advertiser, really, on the radio. All right, Judge Baum is with us for a few more minutes. Steve is up next. How are you doing, Steve? Good, good. I hope you're doing well as well. Yes, very Uh, good. I've been waiting the whole show hoping somebody would ask these questions for me. Um, I'm older, but I talk to people that are much younger. I'm 68. And with this new safety act or whatever, <clears throat> the bail or no bail or detain or not detain, there are a lot of people that are under the assumption, and I hope that they're wrong. I, I, I tell them in this world it can't be true, that there are there's a possibility that there could be a murder or a violent crime, and that person might end up back out on the street relatively quickly. Now, is it is that in any way possible i mean i'm talking you know just because somebody doesn't kill you just because they just beat the tar out of you i mean can a judge say "Eh, okay yeah we'll see in you know a month uh Mm -hmm. in a murder i can't imagine that happening um now i know like here just recently there was a couple neighbors that got into it south of us here i believe and that was between two guys and you know, you know, rage or whatever, and if it was a clean history, you know, I, you know, I don't know. That would be a gray area for me. But with a lot of the crime that we have, it's you know, it's it's total strangers, or it's you know, somebody that's really got a beef, and you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So in, in in this world, is there any chance that somebody could commit murder or a violent crime against someone else and then walk the streets relatively quickly? Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think. Thank uh, you, Steve. 
I would the practical uh, would a murderer uh, get out? Uh, that's fairly unlikely. Uh, Pre Safety Act, post Safety Act. The the difference is. Um, pre-safety act it is uh possible when it's a monetary amount if someone can post that amount then they would be released uh under the new system detained is detained until you go to trial mm-hmm. um so i think the practical reality is uh in, in a murder scenario it is unlikely to be different pre or post mm-hmm. um but it does uh, again at the time you're making this uh, detained decision, these are allegations. They aren't proven beyond a reasonable doubt, uh, and there are rights that go along with uh, not being convicted mm-hmm. of a crime. Yeah. It's a different standard. Uh, so, but the practical reality to the could a murderer be released? Uh, I would think the practical reality is it's unlikely now, and it's unlikely unlikely uh, then after. Yeah, because some cases and. Maybe I've watched too much TV, but you'll have someone who has a lot of money, is wealthy. Well, they can just pay the bond, no matter how high the bond is. They just pay it, yeah, right? You know, you know and, right. Um, now uh, that would usually be taken in, in the system we have now. Uh, the amount that a person is able to post is something you should consider. Um, but in many bond cases, the the reality is that any amount is too much for uh, mm-hmm. folks. So. Um, I don't. I, I. I guess I would like to uh, reassure him that thing. I don't. I don't think. I guess Brian. I would say I don't think uh, the wheels are going to fall off uh, the way that maybe uh, the extremes uh, would want us to believe. Most people, most judges, most prosecutors, most defense attorneys want a fair system where they understand what the rules are and apply it equally across the board. Um, I'm somewhat skeptical that Armageddon, one way or the other, is about mm-hmm. to fall upon us. Yeah. Well, you get into political season, then it becomes a whole other ball game. I mean, right. what people focus on. Right. And that's what happened. Hey, it's been great to visit with you. Yeah. Thank you, great Jason. To visit, Good luck uh, to you and your you family. Well. And, Thank you. And uh, yeah. uh, enjoy homecoming this weekend, and yeah. hopefully, a uh, good result for I the Illini. We got a big game. Yeah. Yep. Are, you, are you able to go to games? Do you get the money? Uh, uh, we are. Uh, we've been visiting some schools uh, on Saturdays this weekend or this uh, fall. So, um, and I'm in a wedding this Saturday, so oh. I, I won't be at the game. Although oh. I think some of my family will be. <laughs> okay. Well, you can listen while the get That's your right. earbud ready. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jason. Good to see you. Good to see Thank you. you. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Thank you. All right. We'll let him go back to work. Ten fifty nine. We've got uh, the news coming up here in about fifteen seconds. And again, more on the Safety Act tomorrow with these kind of questions. Scott Bennett in the 9 o'clock hour. Julia Reitz at 10, so we'll dig into it big time tomorrow. WDWS Champaign-Urbana, thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you tomorrow.